0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Well, hello and welcome to the program. Matt Coulter along with Lars. There's Justin Jones behind glass. And um, here we are after day one. Who's a quarterback? Who's a quarterback? Lars, just to address that very quickly, and and Saban did for just a moment yesterday. Um, If I can just go on a very small comical rant here, I'm so tired of it. I can't imagine how tired Nick Saban is. It, uh, it nothing has changed, nothing will change, nothing will. Here, here's something else. nothing will change after the second of September when they play Middle Tennessee State. I I think it will go into the Texas game, not knowing who the quarterback is. But has um, it grown weary on you?
2: Yeah, it has. It has, because you and I have been discussing this for uh, about six months. And whenever we get a call, it's going to be about the quarterback situation. Whenever you or I out and or anybody in the media who follows Alabama is going to be getting questions like, like about the quarterback know. situation. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, uh, Nick Saban, he, uh, he addressed it. Right. He tried to do a preemptive strike and telling everybody about, hey, we're just it's a it's a process. We're going to go through it. And um, and uh, then, you know, he uh, boy, he really set the Twitter world afire yesterday because he was caught by a reporter. I think it was Nick Kelly of uh, Tuscaloosa News who uh, snapped a little photo of Nick walking off the stage. Well, there's a and little three-second video and, of and, him and, too. Yeah, yeah. And, Nick, and Nick was smiling yeah. because he was, he was joking with a reporter. He was having a little just fun with a reporter. And, oh, my God, you would have thought that uh, everyone in the college football world just realized Alabama's back. Alabama's back. Alabama's going to beat Sam everybody. He smiled for three and a half seconds. It's all over. I mean, every person <laughs> who covers college football commented on it, and it was to the effect of uh oh, everybody's in trouble. Pack it in. Alabama's going to win the national championship. May as well not play the season. Because Nick Saban freaking smiled at a reporter. He actually looked like he had a little little <laughs> laugh to it, too. But well, hey, how you know, deep are it, we diving into Nick Saban? It's all part of Nick Saban's annual media training by uh, Lisa LeMaster, uh, <laughs> who's tried to bring out the softer side of Nick Saban. More personalized, more smiling. And more and likable. Who's uh, and uh, who's
1: putting this together for him?
2: <laughs> uh, Lisa Lamaster is her name. Okay, she does a good job. She does a really good job with uh, with media training, and and he even joked about, "Hey, I got media training. How'd I do with the media?" Yeah, and
1: then they and, um, left to
2: evaluate yeah, him. You know, um, and so, I don't know, people. He smiled at a reporter. He smiled at a reporter. Who's the lead in Oregon today? Well, speaking of Oregon, this is serious stuff here. Um, It's serious
1: stuff, but my favorite quote is, it's like a pile of coat hangers. (laughs) I mean, when you go from Oregon, then you're hearing Arizona's already into the Big Ten. You're hearing that one? Did you hear the bizarre one about the ACC
2: and the Pac-10 talking about a merger? Well, here's what, here's what we know, and this just happened a few minutes ago, uh, and this comes from Brett McMurphy, a longtime friend of the show, longtime friend of, of, of mine, um, that uh, Oregon and Washington are officially leaving the Pac-12 and joining the Big Ten starting wow. in 2024, So the departure of Oregon and Washington increases the number of schools leaving the Pac-12 in the last 13 months to five. So you have Oregon, Washington, Colorado, USC, and UCLA. Um, And I think this is going to be the fatal blow to the Pac-12. So now the Big Ten is going to grow to 18 members. It's the largest conference in college football history and now the Big Ten leaders need to decide if they want to expand even further. And they're they're wondering, they're contemplating whether to stand pat at, at 18 or the next schools sort of in their crosshairs uh, are Stanford and Cal, or do they want to look, Stanford and Cal right now are, I think, up next. Uh, do they also want to look at uh, ACC schools? Um, and... And Oregon and uh, and Washington may not immediately receive full shares in the Big Ten's new media rights deal with Fox, CBS, and NBC. But still, they are going to make significantly more money than they would have had they remained in the Pac-12. So where does the Pac-12 go from here? um i think i think schools uh might some schools in the pac 12 might be looking at the mountain west um and uh the, the mountain west currently has a television deal with fox and, and cbs sports um through 2025 um but i you know what i i didn't think this until this morning uh and that is I believe we're headed to two super conferences of oh, thirty, basically, and it's, not almost, a it's almost conference anymore. Good. That's it's, a league. Well, That's yeah, a, yeah. It's, know, it's, it's just... like it's like going to be the AFC and the NFC, and it's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC. That I give you a quick I, I really, on I really that. think that because it's it, look, the ACC is disintegrating, the Big Twelve um, is uh, it, it, they're they're doing okay right now. Pac-12, yeah, Pac twelve, Pac twelve is disintegrating. So we're about to, we're we're, we're nearing three conferences, but I, I I don't think the the Big Twelve is going to be sustainable when going against the SEC. I don't see that happening real soon though. Do you? Uh, well, I never would have thought the Big Twelve would well, be able to outmaneuver the this, ACC. This Oregon and
1: Washington thing. Uh, While well, I guess it was talked about having it done yeah uh, th- so you're right i mean it, it could happen in the next couple of years but um, I mean,
2: it's really amazing that the big 10 now has oregon washington usc and ucla those are the four marquee programs of the pac 12 and
1: looks like they're going to lose arizona and, and yeah. then, wouldn't it seem that arizona arizona state might follow
2: yeah or, to the or, big 12 yeah,
1: right to the yeah. big 12 I'm stealing this directly from our morning guy, and that's Wimp Sanderson. And and he brought up a point I think we're all acutely aware of, but it needs to be focused. And that's what's happening here is with the expansion of all these conferences, new teams, you're losing rivalries. Oklahoma, Bedlam is gone, you know? And... It's important to the regions and to these teams to maintain the Alabama-Tennessees of the world. And Lars, it looks like they're on a boat in the river. I mean, you'll keep some, and we'll we'll always have Alabama and Auburn, I think. But some of those great rivals in the Pac-12 are no longer. Oregon-Oregon State, the the Apple Bowl, I mean... (laughs) Gone. There's That's a, greater to per- a
2: greater percentage of uh, university presidents in the transfer portal right now than <laughs> than actual players. <laughs> I'm serious, <laughs> because I mean it, it. It is crazy the earthquake that is happening with collegiate sports. And uh, the shifting of the plate tectonics <laughs> and where is it going to look? What's it going to look like when uh, everything is finally settled? The ground is settled. I, I do. I, I, again, this is my thought. And I haven't had this before until this morning that I think we're headed to two conferences. How? Two super conferences. And then there will be, uh, of, of, you're right, about 60 teams total. And then maybe 50 50 or 60, somewhere in there. And then you'll have a second tier that will have their own sort of national championship, right? Uh, You'll have the the Super Conference National Championship, and you'll have uh, everybody else's uh, national championship.
1: uh, As Stabo Swinney would refer to, the Roy Bowl. Yeah. The rest of y'all. And, I mean, and, you,
2: you know, know the, Florida, uh, Florida State already announced we got to get out of the ACC. And, and and by the way, we have this document that says we can. And, you know, Vandy is going to be making like $30 million more than Florida State, the athletic department. I mean, it just uh, – I don't think the ACC is sustainable. I don't. Uh,
1: no. Um, and it's only – Matter of time before the Florida State and it, deal and some of the others, in North Carolina. I don't know what happens. It seems to me geographically, which has been thrown out the window too, pretty much. Especially when you're talking about Pac-12 and
2: ACC. I mean, that, oh, that, do yeah, you, that uh, doesn't matter anymore. That, yeah, it really ge- doesn't. And, and I guess uh, travel and
1: expenses. There's so much money in TV that they can do this. And, and
2: it, it, you just hit it on the head. TV's driving this whole thing. It's the TV contracts Track that are driving 12 this. doesn't
1: even have a TV deal I, yet,
2: Well, they? Well, there's probably going to be a streaming with yeah. Apple. And that could be lucrative if people are willing to purchase it. But it's a great unknown. And, hey, uh, Oregon and Washington, they made a smart move in my estimation by made getting out quick, while too. they're getting
1: as good. Well, that's... Uh...
2: uh, The streaming
1: deal, don't they need to examine what happened to the NFL on
2: Thursday nights? Yeah. I think everybody's just trying to latch on to either the Big Ten or the SEC right now. It's fruit basket turnover. You're listening to
1: Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Homeowners.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The chance of a few lingering showers may be a thunderstorm in spots this afternoon and this evening. The sky cloudy at times. The high today, 85. Tonight's low, 71. Tomorrow, partly sunny and hot. A chance of widely scattered showers. The high, 94. I'm James Spann of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: The best sports talk in
4: Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports the team about is there's a lot of things to be learned from uh, our season you know what what every season comes down to is a play here and a play there and the problem is is you never know when those plays are coming up so you got to be prepared to play every play um, regardless of the circumstances and situation in the game you got to execute you got to get 11 guys to execute so um who you are, what you do, sort of defines you, you know. On Saturday, and you know that could be a good thing if you prepared and created great habits in terms of what you want to do. Uh, but you also can get exposed if you don't do the things you need to do. And look at the game itself as a challenge, uh, not something to fear, um, but actually an opportunity uh, to be able to go out and have success. You know, I think we had a good off season. I think we've had a good summer. Um, you know, that's something we want to continue to build on. But I don't really care what you do in the summer. When you put a helmet on, when you put spider pads on, um, things are different. And, um, you know, when we put shells on, things are going to be different. So this is a process that, you know, players have to go through. I think the key to the drill is, is can you continue to stay focused, pay attention to detail, uh, sustain uh, when you... Don't feel 100 percent when you don't feel great. When you get a little sore, when you get a little tired, because you got to push yourself so that you can get to the next level. Um, and you know that's what we you know want to try to you know get our players to be able to stay focused on And We certainly have you know the kind of circumstances to help them do that. Uh, the kind of you know conditions we had out there today, and uh, it's it's something that will test your mettle a little bit. And that's probably a good thing at this time of the year. You know, from a first personnel standpoint, you know, Tyu Jones Bell had some medical issues. So, you know, he's gonna medical this year. Um, and I think everybody worked today except Jamarian Miller will be out for you know, a couple days with a – he got a strained quad. So, um and other than that, guys, look, you're gonna ask me about the quarterbacks every day, every day I'm gonna tell you the same thing. You know, everybody's getting reps at the position. Somebody's got to take the bull by the horn. Somebody's got to separate themselves. When that happens, we'll tell you. Be glad to tell you. When we're going to take the cake out of the oven, we will tell you when it's the time. All right. But until then, there's really nothing to talk about. There's nothing to say. Um, so not a whole lot of sense in asking about it because um, we want all the guys, when they're in there, you play the position like it's yours like it belongs to you you're out there competing you're not looking over your shoulder you're not worrying about what somebody else does you're you're playing like you're the man and that's what we want each guy to do and see who can do that with the most consistency so uh, it's important you know you got to be process oriented you can't be outcome oriented right now you got to be process oriented because that's what's going to help you play with the kind of consistency that you need to play winning football at the position which is ultimately what we're looking for
1: would you like to be the next person to ask him about quarterback? <laughs>
2: we went through the whole media deal yesterday. I wonder who oh, wrote, his, wrote the material about uh, once you can take the cake out of the oven because, uh, you know, he first tested that material out at SEC, at media, SEC days, yeah. media Days, and uh, now he decides to you know, his, was bring, his it bring it out.
1: Getting the, <laughs> when's it going to be ready? When's it going to be ready? I think we can uh, all
2: relate to that. But, uh so, oh. but th- there were a couple one one thing that did interest me uh, in the press conference yesterday, and this came a little bit later, where uh, Saban talked about um, Tommy Reese and the fact that it was Reese that really lobbied and brought Tyler Buckner in, and so that tells you like th- the trust level that Nick Sabin has with Tommy Reese, a thirty one year old, yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, he loved the fact that you know that he coached Tyler Buckner a few years, um, and that uh, you know when you coach a guy, when you have your hands on him, so to speak, you really get to know what they're all about, right? Not just their their physical ability, but also their uh, intangibles, right And so um, that tells me that, that Tyler Buckner's got a legit shot at this, but I don't know if you got a Does chance. it tell you that he's a starter. No, it doesn't. <laughs> a um, lot of people go. Oh, i but you know, watching the video of the three quarterbacks that Alabama released yesterday, uh, and I'm no expert, but I have been to my fair share of practices. Oh my God, have I been to a lot of practices in, in my life? And watching uh, your time trying uh, that NFL. Pre- yeah, I know NFL, college, whatever. Um, Ty Simpson. The ball just seems to pop out of his arm. I mean, the ball just—it's uh, it, at a different velocity level than it is with uh, Jalen Milrow and and Buckner and That's um, Lars Anderson. Yeah, no. called it mean, right he's, here. he's got he's got he's got an arm. He has got an arm, and um, again, you can just you can just tell just by the by the release. I mean, there's and in. I mean, I, I would love it. You know, I should, I should send that video to uh, Bruce Arians and see what BA says about just what he sees in, in the little bit, but just the little bit that I saw. And again, I'm no expert. I'm no scout. I'm not a coach. I've just been watching this stuff for about 30 years and there is, there's something different about how the ball comes out of his hand. Again, talking about Ty Simpson than the other two quarterbacks. I still think Milrow will get the first snap against
1: Middle Tennessee State. I, I, which, which, by the I way, I don't disagree. You know, I, I'm not privy to any more information than people listening to the show, and that's the that's the fact,
2: Jack. But um, if nothing else, just um, give Texas something to think about. You know. Oh, I I ask. think all three of them are going to play in the first game. No question.
1: And and you know an the, the fact
2: that none has distinguished
1: themselves yet. By the way, it's one day in to fall (laughs) practice, okay? So it doesn't make them bad. Uh, You want to kind of shake people by the collar and go, they're all pretty darn good. Right now, it seems to me, and again, speculating, but reading a little bit into what Nick Summers said, somebody's got to grab somebody by the face mask and own the team. And the person that's going to do that is I think they all have their skill set in a particular way that would make them a starter. But somebody's got to come in and win the team. But if I was listening to, to Christian on our show on the show uh, yesterday, leading in hours, and I think he made a great point. And again, it goes back to the process. Okay, somebody's got to grab the process, and they have to know the position, and they have to distinguish themselves among the other two. And you can kind of take the athleticism out of this. But it usually goes back to what Nick Saban says. Nick Saban's right. Um, someone is going to have to own the team. Like Jalen Hurts in mm-hmm. the USC game. He came in there when the others had just, were not successful, to put it nicely. And then Hurts won the team. Jake Coker.
2: In he was the, just in, on in, a minute ago. In the loss to um, Ole Miss, I believe. Uh, that's kind of when he won the team over with, uh, you know, just uh, some big-time running plays, uh, making initiating contact with some safeties and DBs and just showing his toughness. Um, but, yeah, it, w- we're going to see here. It, 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 again, this is a topic that uh, we will be talking about and discussing at length for quite a while, but I still think uh, that Ty Simpson is, is going to be the best fit and um, I think he showed in the spring game, um, you know, he's, he has a will. Yes, he's got a big arm, but he also has a willingness to take what is there, what the defense is giving him rather than, you know, uh, put the ball at risk. And if there's one thing that Nick Saban doesn't like, it's when a quarterback puts the ball at risk and, you know, tries to win the Heisman Trophy on every play. Um, so, Yeah. I'm sticking with Ty Simpson. I'm rolling with Ty. And again,
1: um, as we've discussed, I think it's worth repeating, is um, I think that the change of the offense a little bit. Not going to dictate who the quarterback is, but what it's going to do is take a little pressure off of him. Last year, I think the offense at times just said, okay, let, let Bryce take over. You know why? Because he could. Yeah. And he could make a play with his feet. He could make a play scrambling. He could make a place with an incredibly accurate, throw it through the needle of a pin, accuracy. And I <sighs> complacency may be a little hard of word, but I think Alabama's offense would go, okay, let's leave it up to Young. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and as the season grew longer, I mean, look at the Texas game. That incredible scramble and throw he made and literally won the game. Um, I, I think when players do that and do it consistently, consistently, uh, others are going to go, man, he's the greatest.
2: Let's let him win it. Yeah. It's like being on a basketball team with a mega star. Sometimes you just give the ball to the star and you watch him.
5: That Michael do. shoot.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing with Ty Simpson I'm, you know, I'm focused on Ty. You're really uh, you're running uh, his little that's campaign that's over here. Here. The smallest Are sa- N.I. The, 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 the smallest sample size of all the three quarterbacks that we have in live action is, is Ty Simpson. Um, but I think that could end up being an advantage for Alabama when they play Texas uh, early on in the season because Texas doesn't have any tape on Ty Simpson. Um, they, you kind of know what you're getting with, with Buckner and Milrow. And uh, Simpsons a little bit different. When we get back, we're going to have Jeff
1: Spiegel, sports director of 3340 TV in Birmingham. And guess what we're going to ask him about? (laughs) We'll be right back.
2: the The entire process, the Bama broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker... At TheBamaBroker.com
3: Follow the found to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Welcome back to the program. It's Matt, Lawrence, Justin. And now, uh, our regular on the show is one and only Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. Jeff, I was just thinking as we were dialing you up. This is your day off, so you're going one of your days off. You're going above and beyond, so we appreciate that. How you doing, Speed?
5: Doing really well, Matt. We were talking about you in the sports office the other day, and, uh, and and I told I told the guys I said, "Look, I don't know if you realize this, but uh, but Coulter Coulter is a legend. Coulter's a legend, <laughs> like he's been in the movies." He's been in the movies for crying out loud. He's going to live forever because of his appearance on *Talladega Nights*, one of the greatest movies ever made.
1: Oh, I, I was shunned
2: by the academy. Yeah, no, well, so the, the greatest thing, it. Jeff, is that he plays himself. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, yeah, that's right. I mean, your, your posterity is set. You know
1: what? In, in all transparency, I am the very last credit. Okay, and it says Matt Coulter. As PA announcer, I would have given all of my residual money if it had said Matt Coulter as himself.
5: (laughs) Right. Listen, what what you're you're not what you're not telling people, though, is that that was supposed to be like a really, really minor, minor part. But they loved you so much that they gave you on screen time. So kudos to you.
1: Well, there's actually a bit of truth in that. was,
2: Was it Will Ferrell who lobbied for you? Uh, it, was,
1: it was actually the director that was back behind the set. And just very quickly, I, I, I read the original script they gave me, which is about 10 seconds long, and I did it to the best of my ability. And they paused after, and then they start moving lights and everything around. It's just incredible how much they, they're doing. But the second director who's on the set said, uh, <laughs> the, the director said, hey, uh, man, that guy did a pretty good job with those lines. Oh, uh, And the guy went, it's what he does for a living. And so <laughs> the first director, I could hear him in his headset, said, tell him to keep the main components of the script and do it like he would normally do. And that's how it went from 10 seconds to 37. Um, enough about <laughs> But who's counting? <laughs> enough enough <laughs> about that. Although I have to admit, uh, my ego is at least large enough. To allow this, that was a blast. Um, okay,
2: <laughs> have now. you uh, back in when you were single? Did you ever use that on a first date? You know, I was in Tall Day Nights. No. Oh, come on. I didn't, because most people already knew. <laughs> 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 uh, no, that's not true either. Uh, hey, I'm, now, I'm I've read to... books that I've written on dates, I, you know.
1: A, I know you have. You bring an autographed <laughs> issue. But I'm a lot like Jeff Spiegel, because um, I, I consider you a really humble guy, and you don't go and show your idea and go, and by the way, did you see me last night? So... <laughs> Uh, and I have always appreciated that about you. All right, given that, what was your take out of Nick Saban's first practice news conference?
5: Well, I was uh, I was impressed with how loose he was about how. Now he got you know he got a little ornery you know when he started talking about the quarterbacks, but at the same time you know for the most part I, I'm I'll dare say in a press conference setting. Like I've never seen him more relaxed, more funny, you know, and he, and he made the quip at the end of the news conference that, you know, he got some media training and, you know, how'd I do and all that stuff? But I don't know, but but now just think about it though. I mean, if you're Nick Saban, gosh, you're at the top of your profession. You know, you've, uh, you got, you got all the money in the world. I mean, he just he just bought a seventeen point five million dollar house on Jupiter Island we crying out loud so why he's always been comfortable in his own skin but I've never seen him look more relaxed after the first day of fall camp than than I saw him you know yesterday it was it was it was really incredible
2: it was and what also was incredible was uh <laughs> that uh um the, the photo that went viral of Nick Saban yesterday, uh, I believe, again, is taken by Nick Kelly. I need to double check that, but uh, of the uh, Tuscaloosa News, um, of Nick smiling. He's simply smiling uh-huh. at a reporter, right? Who's They're having some right. fun. And right. the... Absolute meltdown it caused on social media was stunning. I mean, every single college football writer, reporter commented on it and basically saying, uh oh, uh oh, Nick Saban's happy. He's flashing that same smile that he flashed after the onside kick in the national championship game against Clemson. Everybody's in right. trouble. Were you surprised by that reaction?
5: Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, look, we. We all can read like too much into, into what we see and and all of that, but um I don't know, but i, I there, there may be a little truth to that, like there may be a little truth to the fact like that you know he knows what he's got and you don't you know one of those things and um and I think mm, I think there's kind of a quiet there's a quiet confidence here, and not just from him, but you know from other guys in the camp that, um, you know, they're coming with something and, and they're, and they're, they're ready to, you know, take back what is quote unquote, you know, rightfully theirs, you know? So, um, I kind of sense that.
2: Yeah. And, and you know what, as we all know, Matt, Nick Saban is not one to hide his emotions, whether they're, whether he's angry he's or happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah,
2: exactly. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Jeff. I think that's a good, uh, analysis of it. Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to ask you the day before they did the Nick's
1: Kid thing, and I, I heard the interview there with him in that setting, and you were there, and you ask a very legitimate question, as you always do. But did you get a different feel about him even in that environment?
5: Well, first of all, first of all he looks so tan. I mean, you guys remember the actor George Hamilton?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> he almost looked as tan as George Hamilton used to. Now, I'm really dating myself when I use a George Hamilton reference, but, uh, but, but it just, just tan and relax. And I, and we all thought that when, um, when Stephen M. Smith asked that question, the football question, which Josh kind of instructed us, Josh Maxson, you know, Nick's SID, uh, instructed us not to do or to stay away from. We thought like maybe he might blow his stack or something like that. But, but he said, well, is that, is that about Nick's kids? You know, yeah. and then Josh said, oh, sorry, you know, I tried. And then Nick said something like, yeah, we all do, you know, stuff like that. But he took it, but, but then he gave like a, you know, a terrific answer. But what was funny is that the following day, when Stephen M asked the question, you know, Nick said, what? I thought you were gonna ask the Knicks kids questions. This is the football news He kinda of turned it around back on him. Oh, you know, in a joking, teasing, you know, needling manner, which is also something that, you know, you, you rarely see from him. So I mean, you know, I the last two days, I mean, it's just been it's just been funny just how, how loose he is.
2: Um So the news broke about uh, 45 minutes ago or so uh, by uh, our our friend Brett McMurphy of the Action Network now that uh, Oregon and Washington are leaving the Pac-12 and joining the Big Ten in 2024. Um, And that means the Big Ten's going to grow to 18 members, which is the largest conference in college football history, uh, what's your immediate reaction? And uh, Matt and I were talking about this earlier. I, for the first time, Jeff, I'm beginning to think that we may be headed toward just two mega, mega conferences in the Big Ten and the SEC.
5: Yeah, and I don't know if that's good for college football. Um, I I mean, in the long run, I mean, it may be. Because, you know, there's only, uh, there's only a handful of teams that can win the national championship anyway. You know, usually year in and year out. Um, so, I mean, it, it it might as well, you know, turn into that. Uh, that, that We've kind of seen this coming, you know, several years in advance. Um, to me, the thing that I think of is the, the, tra- the travel budgets, you know, for these schools are going to be like through the roof, you know, for these games. But I guess the revenues are going up too, so they'll make up for, you know, with that. But um, I don't know. It's certainly, um, you know, I was telling Gary this yesterday. You know, it's, it's not the college football that, that I grew up with. It's not the college football, you know, my parents grew up with. Uh, it's diff- it's going to be different, and it's just a different – I don't even know why they – why are they even going to give these conferences the same names anymore? You know, because it's just – well, first of all, the Pac-12 is probably just going to disappear as we know it. Because uh, what Oregon's headed to the Big 12, right, or something like that, or, or Arizona. Sorry, Arizona's headed to the Big 12. It appears. So, ah, um, uh, it's just it's strange times, but it's um, it's where college football is going. And you know, if if you don't like it, then too bad. You know, if you do like it, then hop on because it's going to be uh, a very eventful ride.
1: Our guest is Jeff Spiegel from ABC thirty-three forty. He is the news director, uh, the sports director there. What do you think if, if you were uh, in charge, who would be the next two to join the Southeastern Conference? Because Florida State's put themselves out there. Yeah, That's for darn I mean, they've sure. They've already
2: said that we're leaving the ACC.
5: Yeah, they have. Well, I've always thought Florida State would be a would be a good fit. I've always thought that would be a, a natural fit, and that keep that you know Florida, Florida State. You know that it, that just intensify that if you could if you could intensify that rivalry. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've heard I've heard Virginia and North Carolina, you know, thrown out there, and uh, and all of that. I hate personally. I mean, I'm a big basketball fan too. I hate the fact that the ACC, arguably strongest basketball league, you know, historically. Is just about just about to get chopped up, you know, and, and that's going to kind of just uh, disappear. But you know, probably UVA, North Carolina, are probably two of the candidates that I've heard. That wouldn't surprise me. How about Clemson? Clemson, sure. I yeah. mean, uh, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be good be uh, good. Well, you know, a few years ago we we heard that you know Clemson and Florida State might be the two to join the SEC. But absolutely, I mean. Look, I think, uh, I think Dabo would be comfortable going toe-to-toe with SEC teams, you know, week in and week out. I mean, there'd be some people that say, well, there goes, there goes Clemson's years of, of winning double-digit games every year. But you know what? Probably not because he's been pretty good for the past 12 years as well.
1: Talking to Jeff Spiegel again. The interview is uh, brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group. Thank you, Laura Lee. Uh, we're going to come back. You going to come back with us, Jeff? Absolutely. All right. We'll break.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The chance of a few lingering showers may be a thunderstorm in spots this afternoon and this evening. The sky cloudy at times. The high today, 85. Tonight's low, 71. Tomorrow, partly sunny and hot. A chance of widely scattered showers. The high, 94. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9.
3: It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Jeff Spiegel is with us on Big Noon Sports. This interview
1: being presented by our friend Laura Lee Thompson, who is the Bama broker at Vantage Realty Group.
2: Switching to events uh, down at Auburn, uh, Peyton Thorne started, uh, with the first team yesterday, uh, the transfer from Michigan state. Were you surprised by that, Jeff?
5: Uh, not at all. I mean, not considering how much, uh, you know, Q talked him up at eight 30. I mean, uh, he, t- he talked a lot more about Peyton Thorne than he did Robbie Ashford. Although to be fair, he probably got more questions about Peyton than he did about Robbie. Well, there's a reason you go in the transfer portal, you know, right. And, and I think uh, Robbie Ashford would probably tell you, you know, he had a chance to win this job, you know, in the, uh, in the spring. And uh, there, was, there was no clear victor there. So, you know, Hugh went in the portal to get some help. And, uh, and Peyton Thorne, I don't know. I mean, look, I've only seen one practice, but he looks like a quarterback, right? And he's got really good numbers over the last uh, couple of years at Michigan State. I guess what would concern you, you know, if you're an Auburn fan, is that he had 46 touchdown passes, but he also threw 21 picks. So he's got to get a little bit better at taking care of the football. And, and um, you know, under Hugh Freeze's guidance, you know, contrary to what Perry Thompson said earlier in the week, uh, Hugh Freeze's strength is not developing receivers, but developing <laughs> quarterbacks. And uh, so I think Hugh Freeze is uh, is going to make uh, a good quarterback out of Peyton Thorne. But like you said, you know, that, that they may need all three of those guys, you know, as the year goes out, uh, goes along. So we'll see. But right now it does look like Peyton is the clear front runner.
2: Jeff, could the last month have gone much better for Hugh Freeze, uh, given that uh, he was so impressive at SEC Media Days with his honesty and transparency? And uh, it, it certainly appeared personal growth from six years prior, his last appearance at SEC Media Days, and then uh, flipping a kid from uh, Georgia, getting a kid that Alabama wanted. Uh, uh, suddenly five stars are, are looking at, at Auburn. I mean, it just seems that Hugh Freeze has a lot of momentum going right now.
5: He does. I will say this, though, Lars, it's a long way to December. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> Things could change between now and December, but um, you know, especially uh, especially if someone tells Perry that, hey, "Have you seen how many Alabama wide receivers are in the NFL right now?" Yeah, I mean, he may, he may flip back, but uh, but he may, but he may stick. You know, Hugh has really sold guys on the fact that you know we're uh, we're building something here. You know, you you, you want to go to a program like Georgia or Alabama where you know there's a machine like mentality. You know, and, and you're just kind of a cog in the machine. Or do you want to be part of a program that's building something special here? And then because of that, you're going to be known for like years and years to come, you know, for being part of that. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of what he's selling. And, you know, you see the recruits throwing him in the pool and gosh, it, you know, it looks like a fun time. Of course, winning football games and national championships. That's a lot of fun too. And Georgia and Alabama have been doing that. But, uh, you know, Hugh is a, he's a turnaround guy. I mean, he's done really well at each of those uh, first years uh, on the stops that he's made. And he's proven that he can, he can turn around programs. And well, a lot of Auburn fans are optimistic that he can do that.
1: I want to go back to Peyton Thorne for a minute and to Hugh Freeze and, and a couple of other items. What kind of message does that send to Robbie Ashford?
5: Uh, that 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 Peyton's the the first team guy right now,
1: and I can't find a transfer portal.
5: Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, I mean, if you're Robbie, you uh, you kind of gauge how this is going to go this fall, and and you kind of see you're you're going to know kind of what your future is with the program after uh, you know w- once they get into the season and all that, and uh, and yeah, he may jump into the portal again. I mean, who knows? But or You know, the, the 2023 football season can take many twists and turns. That's one of the, that's one of the compelling things about watching a college football season is you just never know what's going to happen. You think you know what's going to happen, but you really don't know what's going to happen. So if you're Robbie, you know, you, uh, you keep your head down, you go to work. And if you're the number two guy, well, you know how that goes. I mean, you're, you're a play away from being the number one guy. So, um, uh, I think he's he's gained some maturity, you know, in the past year, and uh, that maturity is going to go a long way in, in keeping him engaged, you know, in working with this program.
2: How many wins would you consider uh, a successful season for Hugh Freeze at, at Auburn in, in year number one?
5: Seven, I would say seven would be would be successful, uh, and that's regular season wins. I mean and, and if they had a win in the in the bowl game, I mean eight. Uh but i but I'll tell you this, and I'm not the and I'm not the first person to say this, that this is not the most original hot cake that you've ever heard. But September thirtieth, when Georgia comes in there, I mean, look out, right? I mean the Bulldogs need to be on upset alert because they're gonna have a new quarterback. He's never played in a hostile environment until he gets to Jordan-Hare Stadium. And I mentioned this yesterday. uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium is quickly, not quickly, they've always had the reputation of being a tough place to win football games. Tiger Stadium may get more pub. Uh, The Swamp back in the Spurrier days was a tough place to play. But Jordan-Hare Stadium is a tough place to win a football game, especially if you're a quarterback and you've never been in that environment. So September 30th may be a win that uh, maybe Auburn fans weren't counting on, but a win they may get over the Bulldogs.
1: Well, there'll be a lot of people in the SEC pulling for Hugh Freeze that day.
5: Yeah.
6: (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, But I think that's a great point because Carson Beck has never been a starting quarterback in an environment like that, and to to have your – first uh, serious road start at Auburn. Man, I've t- Jeff, I've talked to so many people over the years who tell me that uh, the loudest stadium in the country, it's not LSU. Maybe uh, LSU night game sometimes, but uh, it, week in and week out for a big game, it's uh, Auburn. What did Jay Barker say? Auburn. Auburn. Everybody. Yeah. Seriously, I'm a, like 90% of the people I've talked to who have played in the SEC and played in big games, they all say Auburn.
5: Well, I'm telling you, I was at that 1993 game, and uh, you know Terry Bowden's first year, and that was crazy. That was a crazy environment, one of the most incredible college football environments I've ever been a part of. You know that Auburn won it and capped off that 11 and 0 you know season for uh, for Terry. But yeah, and the way they built the press box now, they've got it all closed in. So if you're if you're in the media. You don't get that atmosphere, you know, until you go down on the field when they let us go down on the field, like midway through the fourth quarter. When you get down on the field, you can just – I mean, the hairs just really do. They do stand up on the back of your neck no matter if you've been doing this for one year or 25 years. I mean, it's just – it's magical. And, uh, and and that could be a really tough place, you know, for Carson Beck to uh, to perform.
1: I miss the Legion field days where they would just open those windows that were about, what, 11, 12 feet high and crack them open. And you could – you mean, you you got to feel the entire deal. Um, I, yeah. I bet you do this too. I used to walk around, you know, get outside, get in the crowd, walk around the perimeter of the field before the game, and you can get a really good feel. Other than LSU yeah. and Auburn, who would be the third – uh, what stadium would be third there as far as just being absolutely loud, crazy, and nuts?
5: Well, on my bucket list is Kyle Field. I've never been there, but I've talked to yeah. people who covered who covered games there, and they say that's pretty amazing too. The whole 12th man thing is uh, is is not just a legend. I mean, that's the real deal. And uh, I've talked to people who have covered you know several games there. So it's just like that that experience is over the top as well.
2: Jeff, why isn't Brian Denny Stadium ever mentioned as one of the loudest?
5: <laughs> I don't know. You know, I I, I get the sense that um, I get the sense that that fans there, you know, kind of wait for something to happen rather than start cheering to make things happen. That's kind of the feeling yeah, I've always good, gotten at but- Brian Denny. And, I, and, and certainly I don't mean that to be a knock you know, against the fans there because the fans, you know, at Alabama are terrific. But, um, and, and maybe that's because they've been blessed to have so many good years and good things happen in that stadium. I'm not really sure, but it certainly could be, you know, a more intimidating experience than it is. And it certainly is more intimidating than Texas assistant coach Jeff Banks made it out to be, you know, when he said that it was kind of like playing at Kansas and Iowa State. It's definitely a tougher environment than Kansas and Iowa State, I guarantee you.
1: All right, before we let you go, this is coming out of left field. Last night, I was at St. Clair County, <clears throat> and um, I was having a dinner at a banquet over there. It was a guy named um, Doug Carden who played for St. Clair County in their state championship team and state championship game in 93. And he said in that game, which he said was just a mud fest, that he came flying over to the sideline and he clocked a media guy. And he said, well, he could not swear, but he thought it was
5: you. (laughs) No, but but I will tell you this, that I was working at Channel 31 at the time and we broadcast that game on TV on live TV. Because and it was so,
1: Town Creek. It was uh, versus Hazelwood, right?
5: Uh, I, believe, I, believe, mm, I believe it was. I, I believe it was. And um, it was It was a – I vaguely remember that happening, but it wasn't me. Uh, the only time I've been hit on the sidelines was covering an Inslee High football practice in 2001. A receiver took me out and tore my ACL. Ugh. So that that's my that's my collision with a football. And look, this was this was a kid who weighed like he was like five ten and weighed like hundred and thirty five pounds. You need to leave that that's part all out. Took, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's, <laughs> all it, that's all it <laughs> That's all it took to take me out.
2: Did you know you'd torn the ACL right away?
5: No, actually I was walking on it and I was I was totally it, it felt like I mean it hurt a little bit and I was supposed to play golf with my dad the next day. So I kind of did like a little practice swing, and when I went back into the backswing, I mean, I nearly passed out. The pain was so intense. Uh,
7: so I knew I'd really messed
5: something up. But the next day, uh, or you know, Sam Goldstein did a uh, did an MRI, and uh, sure enough, yeah, it was uh, it was torn. Well.
1: But it was a linebacker. He he was 6'3", 220.
5: (laughs) All right? Well, We'll to Alabama. We changed that story. Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Uh, Thank you. uh, Great stuff, Speaks, as always. Thank you, sir.
5: Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you guys. Have a good weekend.
1: All right. You too. Um, What a good guy. And a great interview for us. And our Bama-related interviews are brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker at
2: Vantage Realty Group. I do want to ask you on the other side, um, have you ever been hit on the sideline? Well, we'll, We'll pick that up at 101. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing. You. Call Haley on her cell. Yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 23037.
0: Oh station, WTUG HD2 Northport, and W265CG Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
3: More Big Noon Sports coming up.
1: Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Thanks to Jeff Spiegel. We'll be joined at the bottom of the hour. By Gerald Watkins, who will talk about the big event coming up uh, a little less than a year from now at Rickwood Field. They've named it. they brought out the logo. That's all pretty cool stuff. But Lars, sidelines. So really, particularly in high school, that's where we would be because you'd stand next to your photographer as he got video and you could make notes. Okay. Mm -hmm um but I've, I've done it at college too um because sometimes ground level footage is the absolute best would you agree yeah um especially when they're coming at you mm-hmm. and that's when you got to be on your you got to be on your guard because you can get you can get hammered you can get out well, you can tell you can tear your ACL
2: that ever happened to you no so um When I wrote my book on, uh, or a a book on NFL Europe called um, uh, The Proving Ground, uh, the coach of the Scottish Claymores, Jim Kreiner, um, and we ended up having a major falling out, but at the start, uh, he just, they gave me entire great access, unlimited access. And so during games, I would sometimes have a headset on listening to the coaches talk, Um, I was always on the sideline and I realized very quickly that when a play is coming at you and, you know, these guys are, it's, it's, it was the in between NFL and college. It, it, it gets, it, it it happens so fast. It's like, it's on top of you. They close. It it, it happens so fast. And uh, I almost got just absolutely drilled uh, in the very first game. And then I would be like my friends who would be watching NFL Europe games back in the United States. They sometimes they would see me on the sideline and I would be like backtracking. <laughs> like if I knew that the play was coming my way, I would uh, make sure to get out of the way um, because I do know of reporters who have gotten hit and uh, and really um yeah, I mean, I remember. Gosh, it was a uh, it was a longtime SEC reporter uh, or a longtime uh, South Carolina sports reporter um, actually passed away after a sideline collision oh, with oh. a player uh, during a high school game. Uh, Eddie uh, Lyttaker was it was his name and um just uh he uh he suffered a broken leg and then uh i mean when he was caught in the collision and then ultimately passed away from a a blood clot um that traveled from his injured leg to his lung so and and I've, i've just heard just really bad stories over the years and it's usually somebody matt you'd know this better than me it's usually somebody with a camera yeah that because they're less mobile they're less mobile and and also it's just like you want to get the shot you want to do your job want to do your job and then it's like hey you need to you need to run away right i mean you see like the um you know the chain gang guys they tend to be older and uh the smart ones will just drop it just lay it run, lay it down and
1: take off yes yeah um you know, there was a, many, many years ago, It was a reporter here in Alabama. I'm not going to name his name, not that it's anything big deal, but uh, he was uh, on the sideline and the CBS camera truck ran over him. I mean, and called him, caused him significant back injury. Yeah. Um, do you remember that? I think you were still in Alabama, yeah, yeah, but I, the the one that comes immediately to mind when when many talk about this subject is Chamberlain Smith. She was the female Auburn photographer that Georgia player was running out of bounds. Auburn player chucked him a little bit, but it was it was in bounds, and he crushed her. And she fell on her side and did not move. Right. It was about as scary a thing as you've ever seen in that particular circumstance. But she ended up being okay, and she sent out all these uh, text messages and um, social media telling everybody. That, did Justin, you seem to remember that. Did they not also, like, set up the equivalent of, like, a GoFundMe to help her? Because, I mean, she got leveled.
6: Yeah, I think they had a GoFundMe. I also want to say the following season, they kind of, like in one of the games, you know, cut to her on the Jumbotron. And yeah. we're like, we're happy she's she's better. And she is better now, which thankfully. Yeah. But, man, that you're right. That was scary when it happened.
2: And uh, she just went. <clears throat> also, I've seen uh, sideline reporters, uh, you know, doing uh, like a, a, a stand-up. In during pregame, don't do, do the, and, their back and, to and, them. and they'll yeah, their back will be to him. And I think it was uh, I think Melissa uh, Melissa Stark got hit in the head with a, a punt. I mean that had to hurt. Uh, Laura Rutledge, she's been hit. Um, you know, is there <laughs> is there a Google page on this?
3: Did you just look this up?
2: <laughs> nah, I just remember, um, <laughs> not boy. That's an old old phrase. um so, anyway.
1: Way. Uh, no way. I don't know Now, I'm gonna, we're just going down a bad, creepy road yeah, here. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, well, here's what I
1: learned. is when I first went to Channel 13, and David Morris, best photographer I've ever worked with in my life, and I have worked with a lot of them, he, when we would go to the high school games, any of the college games, he said, always stay 15 to 20 yards in front of the play. First of all, it's the best angle. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you've got everything in front of you. And third, you've got time to get the heck out of the way. And um, I learned that way. And then, you know, I also shot a few games. And I remember the first time I shot a game, I came back into the uh, into the newsroom. And they went, do w- you miss the big story? And I went, what? I got this touchdown. And he said, uh, "He said, no, the earthquake. And I went, what do you mean? That's the shakiest video I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but uh, that's what you do try and keep it in front of you And and plus watching from behind and then trying to move up you're a lot less you're a lot more likely to get leg whipped or hit from behind
2: trailing the play is a is a wonderful way to get hit um switching topics here uh, last night was the uh, NFL preseason opener Hall of Fame game, uh, Cleveland against the Jets. Um, the great thing about this is we are going to have football every weekend from now until, what, about six February? months? Yeah, until uh, till the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah. Every single weekend, which is uh, amazing. It's great. It's the best time of year. Uh, did you watch the game last night? I was at a function. Okay, I, I caught the very last bit of it, and I caught
1: the score, and it looked like the Jets were Doing pretty well. Of course, these games are so insignificant. Yeah. Uh, They are as insignificant as spring Major League Baseball games, okay? Let's put it in that perspective. But it was good to see it back on television. And I promise, we came back from this event, and we said it was like 9 o'clock or something like that. And I flipped it over there, and Karen went, oh, no. (laughs) It's back. Karen's my
2: wife. And she (laughs) loves football, but, uh, you know, games of this significance don't crank her up. Yeah, so Aaron Rodgers didn't play. Deshaun Watson didn't play. Uh what did make news about Deshaun Watson was that Roger Goodell gave him a big hug before the game. I mean just well, really? sort of, yeah. It was a bad look for oh, Roger Goodell. Roger. But, the, but the, he's the, a hugger. Let's give him yeah. that. The, the, the biggest takeaway from the game was uh, the play of Cleveland backup quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, DTR, as a lot of people call him. He uh, played at UCLA, had a, a lot of experience, uh, drafted in the fifth round, and just was lights out. It was really, really good, um, both uh, throwing the ball, but more importantly, uh, he looked great running the ball, And uh, if I had to venture a guess, he's going to beat out Kellen Mond, former Texas A&M quarterback, for that backup role in in Cleveland. And I think Kellen Mond's time in the NFL may be uh, growing shorter and shorter. Uh, He just, uh, for whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked for him after, I think he was drafted in the third round by the Vikings uh, several years ago. Um, But um, I I think the, the biggest upshot was there were no serious injuries. And also Aaron Rodgers gave a great interview mid game Uh, Just uh, he he had a headset on, didn't have uniform on and was talking to the guys in the booth, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. And Rogers was just great. He was just so relaxed. He seemed so happy and uh, just sort of thrilled uh, about the possibility, uh, about what the Jets can do this year. Um, He seemed just like uh, just reinvigorated. And also, man, if he wants to, he would be great on television because he's so freaking smart. Well, he's a cow guy. Not yeah, that where you went to school always indicates I mean, your intelligence. Didn't, he, didn't he, he? won Celebrity Jeopardy, and he hosted Jeopardy. Yeah, he,
6: he talked for a long time about wanting to be the replacement and take the host job for Celebrity Jeopardy or just Jeopardy in general.
2: As official. I think he would be good. The, did you see him when he uh, guest hosted? Oh Germany? yeah,
6: I watched oh. it uh, several several times. Yeah, he it's, was a, good. He, was, he great. was really
2: good. Like a great interaction with the with the guests, and and had really good comedic timing. And just uh, man, he's a very talented, unique individual. Yeah, uh,
1: that would work out better probably than Rolf Banerska, who was once up for the Wheel of Fortune. I remember that. Remember he was wow. the kicker for the Chargers. Yeah. Yeah, Brock he actually Penershka. did a few uh, and now you know who was in competition for that job? Tim Brando.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah, Brando's uh, told us so, we need yeah. to have okay, we'll have Brando on talk next about, week and we're talk gonna talk about have Aaron
1: t- Rodgers value as
2: a game show host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <You know, I, laughs> yeah, give have Timmy give us his assessment this of Aaron. Uh, but but I bet Tim would give us a very detailed answer.
1: This is probably <laughs> Yes. You think <laughs> coming up um, uh, I, When I was younger and I first got into broadcasting I, I mean, I know this doesn't sound like the career goal of all times I wanted to be a game show host I really thought I could handle that
2: And I, I still today think I could I think you could what, Was there a particular game show that you wanted to host? Um, I like Password I always like Joker's wild. But, what when are you a kid?
1: Yeah. Uh, I like the ones that Password. require a little bit of intelligence <laughs> instead of just guessing a number like concentrate. <laughs> well, actually you had to remember stuff. Anyway, hey, uh when we get back, you got to stay tuned cuz we got to talk about the money bar on Big known Sports.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The chance of a few lingering showers may be a thunderstorm in spots this afternoon and this evening. The sky cloudy at times. A high today 85, tonight's low 71. Tomorrow, partly sunny and hot. A chance of widely scattered showers. The high 94. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide
3: 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the plains. This is Alabama's most in depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. ELRs, you know, there's
1: a lot of people in the world of sports, uh, and, and even though they may have uh, juked when they should have jived or they've made a mistake here, but. Uh, but you continue to be fascinated by them, and fascinated too strong a word for the way I feel. But it's just under that. And one of those guys is Johnny Manziel, mm-hmm. and it, part of it has to do with what he did at Bryant Denny Stadium a few years ago because it was just absolutely amazing. But of course, he went on to win the Heisman Trophy and all that, and then he got the you know the all the money. Then he went on a five million dollar bender. Now, I've heard of people going on a 100, some of these athletes going $10,000, $5 million. And he's open. He admits this up front. And then uh, on, on the really sad side of that, he, at one point, he was close to suicide. But uh, apparently, he's got, gotten his wheels back under him. And now he's opening up a bar in College Station, the Money Bar. And if you think, what did he do? When he scored touchdowns, ran for touchdowns, even in the NFL, he held up his hands. The and money the, Show me the money. Yep. Uh, which actually, that aggravated me. Uh, it was uh, a little over the top and um, didn't show a lot of respect, in my opinion, but a lot of that's flown out the window. Would you go to the money bar if you were in College Station?
2: Uh, maybe. Probably just to... Just to check say. It out. Yeah. I, I, I did a long-form piece on Johnny um, a couple years ago for Bleacher Report. Uh, went to his hometown in Texas. He didn't want to participate, but I t- spoke to family members, friends, and, you know, he, he was... It for? It was for Bleacher Report. You may have just said that. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, he's just, he, he's so beloved in, in his hometown and um, the information that we're talking about is uh, it, it's coming from a uh, Netflix uh, documentary series called Untold. And, uh, and Johnny uh, just revealed in, a, in an episode that um, it was uh, 2016. He had been recently uh, released by the Browns and then he was diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder. And, uh, his plan was to, uh, end his life. And, um, he had, he bought a gun and, uh, and he was just, uh, he, that's when he said he went on that quote, $5 million bender. Uh, his, uh, he started using prescription, um, uh, opioid, opioids, um, and his weight dropped from 215 to 175 and, and, um, and he said, uh, you know, on, on the night that he decided to, to uh, take his life, the gun just clicked just clicked on him, didn't uh, didn't fire for whatever reason. And um, and after that, he uh, he was in um, L.A. at the time. He flew to Texas to be with his family, and since then, he's been working on rebuilding his life. And you know. I, I know that Johnny Manzel, um he he is a, what a, a divisive figure, polarizing figure. But I think at his core he's just he's a good he's a good young man. He's a good young man who uh has had trouble adjusting to the fame that was thrust upon him and it all started uh about a mile and a half from where we are right yep. now, Matt, at Brian Denny Stadium when he uh, just played a magnificent game and beat Alabama. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm rooting for Johnny. I, I, I really am. And I think if people get to know him and are empathetic and see things through his eyes, you will really show compassion uh, toward Johnny. And, uh, and again, I'm, I, I am rooting hard for him. I am too. And so, just for all that, I, all those reasons, I just said yes. I, if I'm ever uh, in Texas and I can go to uh, his place, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at his uh, Wikipedia page. But, uh man,
1: he did not play much at all in the National Football League. No, he played in um, 15 games. He was two and six as a starter. I mean his, seven his first down, 7s in interceptions. Um rushing he had 46 carries,
2: 259 yards and one touchdown. His first start was against the Bengals. And I remember this cuz I'm a Bengals guy and it was at home and man, he it, it was like me playing quarterback out there. He just looked completely lost. Completely lost. I think the Bengals won 30 to nothing and uh You could tell right then and there that um, he was not going to make it in the NFL. And I have a common friend with Johnny. I really shouldn't say who it is. But uh, the night before games, Saturday night, he happened to live on the same golf course as Johnny. And Johnny would be pounding Moscow mules on Saturday night before games. Copper cup and all? Yep. That was his drink of choice, Moscow mule. I did not know that. Uh, totally this is, this is this is, this is, is uh, this is why you listen to big news sports. Uh, it's exactly you get, you get right. <laughs> Site uh, like uh, and how,
1: this. not to get hit on the <laughs> sideline. Right here is where you get that information. But uh,
2: all right, guys, but, uh,
1: turn your mic on, Justin, because I want your input here. Because obviously, you keep up with this. But did
6: <laughs> did any of you really think he'd be a good NFL quarterback? Um, I hate to be biased, but I I know when he was. I was very uh, salty as they say after he beat us in Tuscaloosa. Well, you weren't the only one. <laughs> so I was I was rooting for against him actively. Um, what year were you? But his skill space?
2: set. What year were
6: you? Like what the, year were you graduate? Oh, or uh, I graduated cramp? in May. So Oh, so you weren't in school yet. Yeah, I wasn't in school. I was in uh high school at the time.
2: Um, I should but, know this. You were in my classes. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah,
6: that's right. <laughs> 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 but I was still a big Alabama fan. My family die hard, so You know, we were like, oh, he's a butt. I think I'm the way, if you beat Alabama in any part of the season, I'm rooting against you. I'm rooting against Deshaun Watson, especially now after all that. Did you see the hug last night? Yes. Yes, I did. Was it creepy? It was a little too long. It was. And it probably should have been a handshake, I think, if anything. Not
2: even. And then they were were talking, and it was like uh, they were in each other's personal space. It was crazy. It was, cr- really it was bizarre. bizarre. Like Earl Weaver? No, it was just, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like Earl Weaver talking to the ump.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Man, am I ever dating myself. <laughs> but
0: uh, you, you would Pinella.
1: think that he would avoid, a handshake, you're right. You would think
2: he would avoid that. It's I, a bad look. My feeling is that Roger Cadell probably didn't know there was a camera on him. Well, then he's an idiot. There's always a camera on Roger Goodell,
1: There's right? always a camera.
2: yeah. yeah. Sorry. Was it
1: too harsh on Roger there? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think no, that's pretty, I, I
6: pretty easy on Roger Goodell, Matt. I think you're not taking
1: it hard <laughs> I enough. <mean>, to <laughs> not know there's a camera there. Oh, just to do what he did, and, and that's what we were talking about initially, just doesn't make sense. After what he was accused of, him sitting
6: out, and Goodell was a major part of that, and then to go over there and hug the guy? Well, I mean, the whole story doesn't make sense after all that happened, and then he becomes the highest paid quarterback with a yeah. fully guaranteed 230,
2: contract. $230 million guaranteed.
1: That uh, it just it shows you a couple things what you'll pay for uh, athletic
2: ability, and that there's a lot of money flying around the national. He football was horrible way. last year, though. I, Deshaun Watson was horrible, and I, I get it. Like, he missed, what, a year and a half, and then he ended up just playing the last six games, games or yeah. so. And, you know, I'm sure he'll be better this year. And, and Cleveland, if, if, if Deshaun Watson plays like he did when he was with the Texans, Cleveland can be a good team. Um, because they have weapons, uh, including Amari Cooper and Chubb, who might be the best running back in the NFL. He's among uh, the top three. And Joku, a really good tight end. Um, they can be a good team.
6: Miles Garrett as well. Who's Miles
2: Garrett, yeah. Top who, rusher in the league. Yeah. I think Miles Garrett is probably – yeah, you're right. Is, uh, I think Miles Garrett is probably the best defensive player in the NFL. I, I mean, I've I just... You can't, blo- you can't on block can't the other side of the hill they're you know, always just...
6: Yes. Uh, you take Should he Parsons, Miles Garrett, yeah. Donald. It's a mix-up. Yeah. You could choose Nick Bosa. You could choose any of them, and you, you'd probably make a good argument.
2: Yeah.
1: Where did I see this morning? I have to lean on you guys for the for the name and most of the information. Tight in for the Bears was signing for his
2: 18th—Lewis?
6: Mercedes Lewis, yes, sir. yeah.
2: Mercedes Lewis, 18 yeah. 18 years at a contact position. I remember when he was uh, um, playing at UCLA. Man, and I, I remember seeing him play at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. He was really good. First-round draft pick. Played for the Packers. Um, wow, for an, a tight end to make it 18 years, you're right. But if there's such a thing as a finesse tight yep. <laughs>
1: end,
2: it's Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> Great name. What do you think about there? If you named your child after a car, Lars, <laughs> what would it be? It's, that's actually funny because every time we're in the car, he will point out, there's a Lincoln, there's a Lincoln, there's a Lincoln. So he thinks he was named after the car, not the city? No, he thinks the cars are named after him.
1: Oh, even better. Yeah. Uh You know, you need to hook him up with Matthew McConaughey. They can talk (laughs) Lincolns. What's the word when you think the world revolves around you? Uh, You're a narcissist. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Self-absorbed. I've got plenty of people you could look up. (laughs) Not going there. All right. Um, You're listening to Big Noon Sports. I want to talk about the Rickwood Field game uh, and a tribute to the Negro Leagues, which is going to come up. in uh, Egocentrism.
2: Egocentrism. That's what I was looking for. Way to fire it out there and not mispronounce it. <laughs> but anyway. He's a child. Um, All children think
1: that. Oh, I mean, didn't Freud and folks write about that? I mean, that to a certain age, they really do think the entire world revolves around them. It's the people that go beyond that that really <laughs> aggravate me. <laughs> they never uh, lose that? They never lose that. They're just petulant child. <laughs> you know, a child, a child. Anyway, uh, when we get back, uh, we're going to talk Rickwood Field. They have uh, presented the logo and the name of the game they're going to play in Birmingham um, next summer. It's really cool. And Gerald Watkins, who is the uh, chairman of the Friends of Rickwood, will be with us in just a minute.
2: Throughout the entire process, the Bama broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790 7229. Again, that's 205 790 7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the dot com. That's Laura Lee at the dot com.
3: Okay. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Back on Big and Sports,
1: Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Justin Jones. Now joined by the chairman of the Friends of Rickwood Field. And that is Gerald Watkins. He joined us just a couple of months ago when Major League Baseball announced that Field of Dreams game will be played in Birmingham June 20th, 2024. At that time, they had not established a logo or a name, and that's what we wanted to talk to you about and several other topics as well concerning the game at Rickwood. So what did they finally come out with? Gerald, good to talk to you. I appreciate you squeezing us into your very busy schedule, but uh, you doing okay? And talk to us about what happened yesterday at
7: Rickwood doing great Matt and Lars uh, we had a great day yesterday the uh the uh the big deal press conference was yesterday you know the the event was uh actually uh put out on the i guess June the twentieth but yesterday was the logo unveiling and a big uh a big press conference and media event uh It was an outstanding day. We got so much uh, positive publicity not only locally but nationally. The um, logo unveiling and the media event included members of the National Association of Black Journalists who were in town for their annual conference. So there were maybe a couple of hundred journalists in town who were able to share in the festivities and that made it uh, even more special than it it already was. And so we we had a great day. Uh, I think now the the momentum is really, really building. And uh, between now and next June, we're just going to have a great time at America's oldest ballpark.
2: Yeah, speaking of uh, why Rickwood is special, uh, the players who have uh, who have uh, been on that field before include Willie Mays, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb. Uh, there's been 181 members of the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame that have been documented who have played at Rickwood, which means that more than half of all the members of the hall have been at Rickwood. Um, to you, what what is your what, what is the one thing that makes Rickwood so uh, unique and special to you?
7: Well, I came to Rickwood and, and watched ball games as a young child. I saw reg Jackson play, I saw Gene Tennis, and I saw a lot of guys play that went on to become stars in the Oakland A's organization and and fostered that championship run from 72, 3, and 4. And and also I saw visiting players play. The Cincinnati Reds Farm Club had guys that came through Birmingham like Dave Concepcion and just uh, Cesar Geronimo, people like that. So my memories go, go way, way back. But knowing that we have the, the oldest ballpark in the country and knowing all those legends have played there and knowing that not only we have the past but we also have the future because this next game in june is going to be tremendous we possibly will see a future hall of famer who knows if uh, nolan arenado will go in the hall of fame or not but he's on a track paul goldsmith so we're going to see a tremendous uh, amount of talent next year and we're going to see those people at a place where you can you can walk out on that field and if you don't feel the If you don't feel the legends, if you don't feel the history, then your heart's not beating. It's just a special place and I'm just glad that uh Major League Baseball saw it fit to uh to come to Birmingham and they're making a big deal out of it and it's it's not just another event to them. They really they really seem to care about what they're doing, where they're doing it and why they're doing it in so many different ways. And I can't thank them enough for the respect that they have for our history and I don't know if I answered your question. I'm kind of rambling now, but, uh, it's just, uh, it's an incredible time to, uh, be at Rickwood. It's an incredible time to think about what this event is going to do to Birmingham and, uh, Matt and, and Lars, if you, as you know, the Rickwood Classic was discontinued because of COVID and then because major leagues decided our field wasn't prepared well enough for a big league game or future big league talent. Well, now all that's going away because once the field is ready, it'll be ready for anyone to play on. So we will get the Rickwood Classic back. So there'll be more memories made for more generations, and it will just be, uh, it just be an ongoing part of our history for sports and culture in Birmingham.
0: I know we, we
2: talked about this with you uh, a few months prior, but can you just uh, remind our listeners and, and us, um, what are the renovations that are currently taking place at Rickwood?
7: Well, nothing has started yet, Lars, but in October, we will have uh, construction crews rolling in. They are going to remove 18 feet of dirt and turf from our field, and they're going to replace that with a new irrigation system, make the field drain very, very well, and there will be brand-new grass, and it will be the same quality grass that they have at Truist Park or Yankee Stadium. The guy that's building the park, Murray Cook, built the ballparks in London, Uh, Fort Benning, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, Dyersville, Iowa. And so his next project is Rickwood Field. And he is an exceptional man, knows everything about building a ball field. And he's going to make the field just so very special. And then the dugouts are going to be made larger. When the dugouts were built, they they were built for smaller men and smaller staffs. And now a major league team will have probably twice as many people in the dugout as they would have had back in the 40s and so the accommodations are going to be a little more plush they're going to have uh, padded seats instead of splintered wood planks and then there's going to be the extended netting up and down the foul lines to protect the fans and then the outfield walls are going to be padded with removable pads so once the uh, mlb game is gone once the uh, classic is not played uh, i mean once it's over and done with the padding will be taken down so the uh the uh, signs that have been up for, for many, many years will, will be visible and uh, it'll just go, go back to being what it is. So those are the main things. And, and lastly, they will be moving some of our walls aside and uh, making bullpens in the outfield. So the bullpen and the dugout will have uh, the ability to see one another. And that's a big thing for Major League Baseball. And those uh, those walls will be put back in place after the MLB game is gone. So those, that, in a nutshell, is the uh, the amount of renovations uh, and and changes in total.
1: Got to be really, really happy that Major League Baseball's picking up the tab because that's expensive. Uh, Even I know that. I got to credit my wife on the next question. I think I know a partial answer. And she said last night we were talking about, said, Why did they pick the Cardinals and the Giants? And I was thinking Giants because of Mays, but I really couldn't answer the question.
7: Well, I think the answer lies more in their scheduling. They probably. They looked at the schedule and and tried to fit the teams in based on where they were already playing. And if I had to guess, that was probably the date that uh, the Giants were already going to be either in the Midwest or on the east or going to the East Coast. So I don't think it had anything to do with. I don't think there was a whole lot more put into it than that. I think the Willie Mays thing was a natural connection. But, you know, they put together, their schedules together years in advance, and so I don't think they said, oh, we're going to do this. I'm, I'm speaking for myself. We haven't really talked about this, but I don't think they looked at at the teams and said, oh, we've got to have it done this way. Now, maybe they did because of the Willie Mays angle, but there's so many different angles and so many different ways they could play it. But the uh, the Cardinals also have a great following in the South. Man, as you know, KMOX broadcast Cardinal games all over the all over the place. And people in North Alabama and Tennessee and North Mississippi are uh, big-time Cardinal fans because they could catch those games on the radio all the time. And so long before the Braves came to the South, I think the Cardinals were probably uh, the premier team in the South. And I think it all just fits in.
2: Can can you take us back to um, kind of when the the match was lit on this idea, and uh, and who actually sort of should receive credit for uh, getting the momentum going for making this game uh, what will be a reality in twenty
7: twenty four? Well, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, <laughs> but uh, I will for a little bit. I uh, when I took over Rickwood. I thought about the Field of Dreams game, which had had not been played yet, but it was on the schedule, and I thought, why couldn't we have a game at Rickwood Field? So I started reaching out to uh, Major League Baseball, and I I just never could get to the right person. So a guy named Doug Mancelino, who was a fielding coordinator for Atlanta Braves, came to town to um, watch the Mississippi Braves play and provide some coaching. He came to visit Rickwood, and we just started talking. We developed a friendship, and he said, uh, you know, you should have a Field of Dreams type game here. And I said, well, I'd love to, but I really don't know how to get anywhere with it. I've been trying, but I've, I've had no success. And so Doug made some calls, and before you know it, I got a call and an email from Major League Baseball saying they want to come and look at Rickwood as a potential site. So in October of 21, they brought an entourage of about 12 people down and they looked at the ballpark. They looked at the neighborhood, everything that you can imagine a very professional organization like MLB would do. They, they started looking at it, drone footage. They just did the works and they left with a very, very good understanding of what we had and said, we'll be back to you. Don't call us. We'll call you, but you're very much on our radar. And so they began to do their internal things. Uh, and i think in february of 22 we got another call they had enlisted the city as a partner as well and from that point on they continued to make visits and they continued to uh do the uh the due diligence they needed to make the plans and set up the uh the potential for the game and so from that point it's just been uh, meetings uh in person uh i think there have been maybe a half a dozen visits and Every time they visit, they bring 6 to 12 to 15 people, and they just cover everything. They're as professional with everything as you can imagine. So with all that being said, it's just been a – it truly has been a journey. That's a cliche, but it's been a journey as we've gone through the meetings, looking at the different areas of the ballpark, looking at um, different things. Uh, gosh, they recommendations on hotels, recommendations on restaurants all kind of things and the complete picture has been looked at many many times and will continue to be looked at over the next few months. Uh, they will actually begin work uh, I think around October 21st or 23rd. And prior to that, our last event of the year will be our Home Run Derby. And I may have told you this when we had our last conversation, but it's our last fundraiser of the year and it will be a home run derby much the same way they do the home run derby before the all-star game but we'll have recently retired players and a couple of college players we rent some electronic video boards we put those on the uh, baselines we have a, a couple of tents set up we'll have kirk bloom from the barons as our announcer and we'll have some other local players who may not participate in the home run contest but we'll be there to add some color and and uh, just just juice up the event. I think Chris Hammond is going to come. He may pitch to some of the guys. Todd Jones uh, possibly will come. And Charlie Moore, the old Brewers player, Ron Jackson, Papa Jack, everybody knows. So we'll have a lot of ball players there who will not be competing, but will be there just to add additional major league talent to our overall event. And once that event is over, that's a Sunday, the very next day. Uh, we'll start prepping, and I think the very next um, well, the very next week is when they'll start moving dirt.
1: Final quick question for you. We'll let you go. Uh, everybody wants to know. Tickets.
7: Well, that has not been publicized yet. Our understanding is that there will be a lottery. I have been told possibly that the lottery will favor people with Alabama zip codes. But nothing's been finalized yet. I will tell you, uh, please, to all, all the people listening in the audience, Rickwood Field, me, the friends of Rickwood, none of our members will have any access to tickets any more than the general public. So look for the Cardinals' website. Look for the Giants' website. Look at MLB for tickets. We we can't help with that. And uh, unfortunately, that's going to be that's their thing. And fortunately for me, since uh, I'm basically a one man shop, I don't have to deal with that. And uh, that's, uh, that's certainly a relief for me.
1: It's pretty much Major League Baseball's game now, right? I mean, uh, it
7: absolutely is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And of course, we have the Rickwood Classic will be reinstituted on the 18th of June. Then we'll have an, a day in between, which may include some other festivities. And then the actual uh, big league game would be the 20th. So we're going to have a week-long baseball extravaganza in Birmingham. And, uh, you know, just I can't uh, I can't wait. I, in a way, I wish it was tomorrow, but then I, I want to enjoy <laughs> the journey.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for bringing it here. We appreciate it very much. Gerald Watkins, the chairman of the Friends of Rickwood, we thank you for your time and let you get back to your afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, well, Gerald.
7: Thank you for thank you for calling and look forward to talking to
2: you again. Call anytime, Matt. As we were speaking, there was a huge boom of thunder here in Tuscaloosa, yeah. as well as a, a lightning strike, and it was like Roy Hobbs in the Natural had just crushed the ball. Good thinking. And uh, I know it's not the Field of Dreams metaphor that I was hoping would work, but nonetheless, it's an iconic it's an movie. Excellent. It's an excellent I think we we're just talking to Roy Hobbs next. It's He's the Roy Hobbs job. of uh, the field of dreams. Um, here's my question.
1: <laughs> metaphor, and and that's moving after they do all that work. They gotta keep that ball
2: playing. Yeah. Gotta keep playing there, right? I, this is uh, it's a great thing for uh, baseball lovers. Great thing for the city of Birmingham and the state of Alabama. Uh, I'm up for it. We'll be back and wrap up this edition Wednesday. Big Noon Sports.
1: It's Friday. What the, what the hell is wrong with me?
3: We're going abroad.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The chance of a few lingering showers may be a thunderstorm in spots this afternoon and this evening. The sky cloudy at times. The high today, 85. Tonight's low, 71. Tomorrow, partly sunny and hot. A chance of widely scattered showers. The high, 94. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78
3: degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Back on Big Noon Sports
2: presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Well,
1: that uh, didn't last long.
2: It's it's, <laughs> it's not a biblical downpour, but it's uh, still coming down here in Tuscaloosa. Everybody stay weather aware. All right, the big news this morning was that... Uh, that Oregon and Washington are going to be joining the Big Ten in the 2024 season. Uh, the Big Twelve is adding schools, Matt. So the question becomes: What will the SEC do in response to all of this? Is the, does the SEC now aggressively go after Florida State? Do they? Does Sankey go after Clemson? Uh, does Sankey? I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think the SEC's counter move will be? Or is the counter move not to do anything? I
1: don't know. When you look at the big picture nationally, it kind of looks like oh, big, big Ten starting you know, to lead the pack. Up to 18 teams. That's where they are now. I was just going to ask you or trying to do that in my head. 18. Uh, of course, the SECs they are adding next year uh, two more and two powerful I mean, let me ask you this real quick as a a side note. Sidebar, Your Honor. Um, USC and UCLA, better combo
2: than Texas-Oklahoma. No. Okay. Not even close.
3: Really?
1: It's
2: not even close? No. Not in my mind. Mm. I'd much rather have, uh, let's see, of those four schools, how would you rank them in terms of importance uh, moving forward? Uh, Well, first of all. I would say Texas, number one. USC, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, but I'm thinking for like next thirty years. Um, I'd say Texas one, USC two, Oklahoma three, UCLA four, yeah. somewhere. Dude, sometimes you get the feeling it was UCLA was kind of an add on, market yeah. add on, something yeah. like that. I think they just, uh, I think the Big Ten wanted the entirety of the Los Angeles market. Well, they got it. They got it. Um, but in answer to I your mean, question, I mean, do, does LA really generate big TV ratings for college football? No, that they even generate it for the NFL anymore. Yeah, and maybe the NBA because LeBron's there. But uh, what if the yeah, big, I, what I if remember the big, what if the Big Ten did this? What if they went out and got Florida State? Well, I think that
1: would hack the uh, SEC off. Yep. Um, and I think the SEC's hand is pretty pat here. For the next year or so But I'd be very surprised If they weren't talking already to Florida State Because Florida State's throwing it out there They're going to find a way To get out And the money that's available To the SEC If that phone call comes in And you're the Florida State AD or uh, the AD at Clemson Would you go first there or Big Ten?
2: Uh, SEC Yeah
1: I think but, the money is
2: uh, – it may I, be even, or the SEC may be a little bit better. Do you think if Florida State were to go to the Big Ten – and th- some people are suggesting that there is, like, a secret offer already on the table for Florida State to go to the Big Ten. Um, do you think Sankey then would – that would force his hand? Yeah. I do. I, do I think
1: then he's got to start talking to North Carolina and Clemson. Yeah. Um but we'll all see. I tell you what, um looking at my paper again from this morning, um and What about the, Notre the Dame Oregon Washington thing.
2: Yeah. That came up in a hurry. It did. That escalated in a hurry. It did. It did. I mean, as of right now, I just mentioned Notre Dame, um, according to most uh reports that I'm reading, that Notre Dame is perfectly fine staying independent. But Man, some big gut. Yeah, but they're not. Are they making money? What if Sankey would do a end around on the Big Ten and really go after Notre Dame? But if they get Florida State, you sure as well. <laughs> um, is this okay? gonna be. Let me one up. It's, a, it's all political here. It, 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 this will be fascinating to watch unfold.
1: A, a, have you ever
2: wondered just logistically how
1: these talks go? I mean, is Greg Sankey sitting in his office there in, in Birmingham uh, with his feet up on his table? And obviously I'm embellishing here. But has he got whoever on a speakerphone and they're, they've got coffee and they're going, well, let's see. I mean, is it or is it some kind of formal uh, Skype call where they've got all kinds of people and all kinds
2: of screens? Oh, remember? It's not back room and smoke field well, anymore. It, it kind of was with Oklahoma and Texas. Oh. Remember? Because we we were all just, like, blindsided.
1: It's because the SEC's <laughs> better keeping it secret. Evidently, so are Oklahoma and Texas.
2: Brett McMurphy. Follow him on Twitter. He's the guy who's going to break this. Oh. Uh, if I'll ask you the same him.
1: question I did speak. Uh, next to in, if you're Sankey.
2: I would argue it should be Florida State and Clemson. Me too. I think it's really important to get... Uh, yeah, Clemson especially, um, but uh, Virginia would be a great addition.
1: That one just doesn't crank my tractor for some
6: reason.
2: Yeah, academics, not like basketball. Clemson and Florida uh, State. What, and I mean, what, what if you could get Virginia, Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina? And North Carolina? Uh, if you're gonna go that big, you're gonna go large. Go. It almost feels uh, like Virginia and North Carolina is a package. Okay. Florida State, Clemson, a package. Yeah.
1: Here, here's, here's one for you.
2: Um, as
1: they look at... You talk about a Miami or a potential of a Notre Dame. Do they not have kind of an aura about them as far as Southeastern Conference teams are concerned that perhaps... I don't want to say they're bad guys. I'll just say... Uh, I know in Alabama, a lot of people don't like Notre Dame. And there's justification, there's a reason for that. Yeah. But do do you understand what I'm saying? Is there just a little bit of an image issue with both of those as far as the SEC is concerned?
2: Yes. Yeah. Um, And the SEC can point to one fact. Uh, Even if you include the addition of USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington to the Big Ten, guess how many national championships... The SEC and the Big Ten have won combined, right, in in football and basketball since 2007. So all the all those teams, you have uh, the new Big Ten and the SEC. Okay, nineteen to one, SEC versus Big Ten. Really, nineteen to one. What's the one? Ohio State. Ohio State. Yep. Well, Ezekiel Elliott. Still yeah. running for all those yards against Alabama.
1: Brutal. <laughs> the second half, he just opened up a can personally. Oh, man, we, we have hacked booted. off. Just job. So we brought up Ezekiel Elliott and Johnny Manziel. Anybody else we can bring up for you? And yesterday, we uh, the that's day a, we talked that's to a good start Deshaun to get Watson. Get Deshaun Watson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh,
2: Hunter Renfro, Alabama killer. Uh,
6: I'm, I'm about playing.
2: to shut you guys off, right? <laughs> <now>. <laughs> uh, we need to be shut off.
1: If you were uh, of age, you would remember um, what we talked to Watson Brown when he beat Alabama. Oh my! At Vandy, man, there were people literally moaning and crying in the streets. I was watching. All right. Uh, hey, thanks. Guess who's at the door? Ryan Fowler, the man. He's next on Tide, and we'll be back Monday at. If I got my days correct yep. now, okay. Monday at noon. Stay Have a week, everybody. In
5: 1958.